Citizens Church, it is so good to be with everyone this morning. Okay, okay, in all honesty, I'm actually in Birmingham, Alabama right now, spending some time with one of my pastors, Pastor Chris Hodges. Let, let, me, let me tell you how this happened. So I got the opportunity, as I do twice a year, Tate and I get the opportunity to go out and spend some time with Pastor Chris Hodges and a bunch of other incredible pastors from around our, our nation and we didn't want to miss that opportunity because we go to it every year and it's, it's one of the highlights of a year. Typically what I do is I would get a guest speaker to come in while I'm gone. But I have been loving this series. I've been enjoying this so much. I hope you guys have been as well. And so I wanted to find a way for me to be there and to be here. And you guys, come on. You've got to be just so grateful for modern technology, everybody. We can do this, and we're going to have some fun with it. So today, you guys, in two places at once, I'm going to bring to you God's Word as we continue in our series that we have entitled Heaven Come Down. I know all, everyone from Beaumont right now is like, this just feels right at home, right? You're used to this. So we're in a series we've entitled Heaven Comes Down. And what we've been looking at together is what we should believe as Christians, why we should believe it, and why it all actually matters. Now, what we've been going after is what we call the core essential truths of orthodox Christianity. Essential, that's an essential word. <laughs> what we want are not all the peripheral things. We're not looking at all that. We're just looking at the essential things. I, you know, we understand essentials. Essentials are what you have to have in order to do the thing you're trying to do. We've used the example of, of cooking. Like if you, if you want to cook, there's some essential things you need. You, you know, you're going to need some food. You're going to need some heat. You're going to need some, I had someone in one of, my, one of the services say a microwave. And <laughs> hey, if that's essential for you to cook, then fine, that works for me. But the idea is that you need these things in order to do what it is you're trying to do. Well, here's what you need in order to be Christian. This is the doctrinal truths that Christians all agree to, Orthodox Christianity. There are, you know, there's things on the peripheral that we can agree to disagree on, but these are the things that we are going to uh, unite on, these truths. And, and we've looked at a few of them together. So far, we've looked at the Bible. The Bible is, we have to believe that the Bible is the Word of God, and that through the Bible, God speaks, all right? We've also looked at the Trinity, that God is three, and yet God is one. We, we see this all over Scripture. And so we gave this concept that we see in Scripture, this truth in Scripture, the, the name Trinity. We looked at last week, we looked at the inc incarnation, the fact that Jesus is God, that Jesus is, is a, a came to us, God wrapped in flesh, and Christian orthodoxy believes that Jesus is God. The incarnation, God shows up. Well, today, here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the essential of the gospel. Okay, The gospel, that God saves. Every Christian needs to believe, should believe, that God is a God who saves, that he is a God who goes after hurting and broken people to draw them in, to bring them home. And we believe as a church that we serve and worship and love a God, a God who saves. God saves through what we call the message of the gospel. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 tells us this. It tells us that 
Paul speaks, he says, for I am not ashamed of, and here's our word, the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel, he says, is the power of God to save. Friends, I need you to understand this, going into this message about the gospel, that the gospel is powerful. Like where the gospel is faithfully preached and portrayed, powerful things begin to take place. Communities are changed. Lives are transformed through the preaching of the gospel. Matter of fact, Citizens Church is a testimony to the power of God at work through the gospel. Not just the preaching of the gospel through me on a Sunday, but the um, exemplifying of the gospel through your lives every day of the week. God is changing lives all around us through the gospel. Matter of fact, a lot of you sitting in here right now have had your lives radically impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you are right now, because of the gospel, you're seeing your life change and grow and mature and you're finding yourself living in the promise that God gave you that you would have life and life more abundantly. That is all happening, my friend, through the power of what we're looking at today, the gospel. The gospel at its core, it literally means this. It's a word that means good news. Gospel means good news. Anyone need good news today? Come on. Anyone need some good news today? In the middle of all that we're hearing and all that's going on, the gospel shows up as good news. But before you can appreciate the good news of the gospel, you've got to understand the bad news. Someone go, dun, dun, dun. The bad news, okay? And to understand the bad news so you could fully appreciate the good news, we've got to go all the way back in our Bibles to Genesis. In Genesis, we find that God is creating. God is a God who creates. And God there in Genesis 1 is he's, he's creating. And he says, it, you know, he, it is good. It is good. Everything he creates, it is good. It is good. And, and friends, you got to know that when God, the master designer, says that something's good, it's the best thing going. Like there's nothing better than what God has said is good. And God is creating everything. He says it's all good. And then he creates man. So, so he's got the grass and the trees. He's, he's these cool looking flowers. The sun and the moon are hung in the sky. Birds are put in place. Fish are in the sea. He goes on creating all of this. Then he creates man in his own image. He tells him to enjoy the garden. And then to top it all off, he creates what many would say is his finest creation. If not his finest, definitely his most complex. Come on, somebody. He creates Eve. Okay, come on. That's free. Come on. She is a little complex. But come on, men. You know you love her. God creates Eve. And these two are enjoying the garden together. Do you know what the best thing about the garden was? The, the, the gem of the garden the gem of the garden wasn't just how beautiful it was. The gem of the garden was relationships. Listen, this is very important. It was relationship. Man had, in that moment, in the garden, perfect, unhindered fellowship with God and unhindered fellowship with one another. Adam and Eve had perfect relationship with one another. They had perfect relationship with God. There was harmony in the garden. Everything was just working. You know, the birds are chirping. They, they've got a great relationship with each other. They're walking with God, we believe it tells us there in Scripture, in the cool of the evening. And they're enjoying everything that God had given them. That's the greatest thing about 
the garden. I mean, this is man at his best, right? Come on, everybody, listen. This is man at his best, thriving in everything that God intended for him, thriving in relationship with God, thriving in relationship with one another. There's harmony in the world, and everything is just working. Everything's in harmony, and God gives to Adam and Eve one command. That command, he says, is to not eat from one of the trees in the middle of the garden. See, it's interesting. God tells Adam, you can eat from all the trees. You can go eat all the, of the fruit and everything out there. But what is, what is man drawn to? The one thing that you can't do. So here's man enjoying everything, but they're being tempted by this one thing that God had asked them to stay away from. And what we find is that in this moment, as man's being tempted, that man falls. God creates, but then as the gospel goes on, here's the bad news, everybody's man falls. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 tells this. And the Lord commanded the man, you're free to eat from any of the trees in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely, what's it say everybody, die, say it with me, you will surely, everybody, die. Here's what God is telling Adam and Eve. He's saying, Adam, if you keep yourself from eating that tree, then we will continue in this perfect fellowship that we've had. You'll continue to enjoy Eden as I've intended for you to enjoy Eden. You'll continue to enjoy the, the community that you have with me and with your wife Eve. You'll continue to have that depth of relationship that you've, you've known from the beginning. But, Adam, the moment you eat of that tree, all of that fellowship will be broken. You will surely die. Something will break in the moment you choose to step outside. This is very important. The moment you choose to step outside of my government and my governance, you will, you will remove yourself from all that I've intended for you and go plunging into death, plunging into separation from that which I've created you for. So as we know, Adam and Eve choose to bend their will away from submission to God in alignment with his perfect government and governance. And they set out to do their own thing. They set out to live under their own rules and their own way, and they eat of the forbidden fruit. Here's what happens in that moment. In that moment, we broke everything. We broke everything. Instead of now thriving in everything God had intended us to thrive in, in his government, in his governance, we said, we, God, we got a better way. We're going to do it our own way. We're going to do our own thing. And in that moment, we stepped away from everything God had created us to live in, and we broke the planet. We chose to rebel against God, and death entered the planet. Remember he said, in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. It's that moment, my friends, in which death entered the planet. We were separated from God and threw everything out of harmony. Remember how harmonious everything was in the garden in the beginning? It's all broken now. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, in that moment, we unleashed the dogs of pain and sickness and death on our world. 
Understand this, everybody. Listen. This world is not the world as God intended it. This is the world. The world we're living in right now is the world as man has marred it. We broke the planet. We brought on death. We brought on pain. We brought on suffering. The moment we decided to rebel against God is the moment we decided to step into this thing called death, brokenness. That's why we call it a broken planet. That's not God's fault. That's our fault. It's a broken planet. We did that. And you don't have to look too far to see that this is a broken or what we often call fallen planet. I mean, just turn on the news. Every other report you hear on the news, if not the majority of the reports you see on the news, are, are stories of brokenness. There's stories of pain. There's stories of, 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 of heartache, right? There's yet another suicide. And, and as a matter of fact, in COVID right now, Okay, this is what they're, the, what, what they're saying right now, that in COVID right now, in, in our own backyard, the, the Beaumont School District recently was talking about how suicide in the area has gone up 600%. Okay? Right now, on our watch, what is that? It's a fallen, broken planet. Depression, suicide, domestic violence. You're watching news and yet there's another, there's another murder. Every time you turn on the news and you're watching the brokenness of our planet, you are, my friends, seeing what God promised we would get when we chose to rebel against him. We, when we chose to do things our own way, we would produce our own results. And what we produce is, is brokenness. They chose to rebel against God and this is what we get. We choose to rebel against God, and this is what we get. And the news and everything around us reminds us of the fallenness of our planet over and over and over again. Now listen close. It's from that moment on, it's from that moment on that we've been longing for home. The moment we rebelled against God is the moment that we broke our planet. But it's from that moment on, friends, that we started longing for home. Listen close. There's something in every single one of us that is longing for home. We know that there's more to life than what life affords us. We know that there has to be more than, than what we see around us. And what that is is a longing for home. We long for things to be made right. We long for what we call redemption. See, that's why when we find ourselves at the deathbed of a loved one, We'll say things like this, it's just not, come on, fair. You know why we say that? Because we know that there's something not right about the fact we're sitting at the deathbed of a loved one. We know that there's got to be more than this. And friends, guess what? The moment that your heart is, is crying out, it's not right, God looks down from heaven and says, you're right, it's not right. That's not how I created it. This is how man has broken and when we sit there and our hearts are broken, what we're really longing for, we're longing for home. We're longing for things to be made right. We're longing, ultimately, for heaven. See, the fact that this planet is broken is why we're constantly um, finding that it's, it's never enough. Let, let me explain that because it came out. 
awkward, but here's what I mean. No matter how much you take in of this planet, it'll never be enough. Do you know why that's the case? Because what you're longing for is not more of a broken planet. What you're longing for is something beyond the broken planet. What you're longing for really, really is, is Eden, so to speak. The way things were before we broke it. So, so you can go out and, and get all you want, but what do you want when you have all you want? You want a little more. Come on. Like, when are you ever going to have enough money? No one ever goes, I, I've got enough. i got enough. I don't want any more. What do you want? I want a little more, right? What is that? You're trying to fill a void in your life that the things of this planet can't fill in your life because the things of this planet never actually give you what it is you desire. It's never enough. You never have enough money. You never have enough possessions. And just when you think you've got the best thing, the next thing comes out. Come on, do you ever struggle with this? It's like, I just bought my iPhone. And there's a new iPhone? I want the new one, right? What is that in us, you guys? It's just us chasing after whatever this planet is giving us because we're trying to fill ourselves. But the reality is, it'll never fill us. What we really want is home. What we're really longing for is Eden. We're crying out for purpose and meaning and fulfillment. We're longing for home. We're longing for redemption. And this is where man lives. Stuck. We're stuck. We broke things, and now we're stuck with this brokenness that we brought on ourselves. God creates. Man rebels. But God doesn't just leave it there. Here's the gospel, friends. We broke things, but then God pursues the very people who broke those things. Our God begins to pursue you and I. Listen, I don't know what you do when you've been hurt. I don't know what you do when you've been wrong. I don't know what you do when somebody decides to turn against you and do their own thing and, and go their own way. But I tell you what God does, he doesn't give up. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, you know, ignore. God goes after us in his love. He pursues us. Do you realize we could have been stuck in our situation forever in a broken planet with no hope and this is just all there is that could have been our plot in life but God says no I love them too much for that but God we just rebelled against you God we just we just rejected you God says but I love you too much and so instead of letting you run from me forever I'm actually going to pursue after you this is God's position all throughout Scripture, pursuing after man, running after man. His heart remains in pursuit of you. Right now in this moment, listen to me. Right now in this moment, what is God doing? He's pursuing after you. In the middle of all your brokenness, in the middle of all the stuff that no one else sees, in the middle of the stuff that, that, that you know it does not line up with what God would have, God already sees it. And you know what he does, even though he sees it? He says, I love you, and I'm still pursuing after you in my love. So this moment right now is not just a moment, it's a holy moment. Why? Because God has postured himself in this moment in pursuit. He's pressing in toward you. He's pressing in 
toward me. Some of you are running from God today. And you know what's funny about that? Is you're running from God because you're trying to find life in this thing and that thing and this thing over here. And you're, you're running out into this world trying to, trying to find, you know, purpose, trying to find meaning. And it's funny to me that you're actually running from the very one who can give you the things that you desire. Only God can give you purpose. Only God can give you meaning. Only God can give you what he calls life and life more abundantly. Literally life through the roof that you keep hitting your head on. God does that. God in his unfailing love comes toward us and he puts in motion the plan of redemption, okay? The plan of redemption is this, friends. It's God's plan, watch this, to make everything right again. It's God's plan to bring us back into Eden, so to speak, back into harmony with him, back into harmony with one another, to take what we have broken and to fix it all through this gospel, the plan of redemption, to rescue us from the oppression of the good life and set us free to live an even better life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us this, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have not believed in vain. For what I have received, I pass on to you as of first importance. Now he's going to give you the gospel. Here it is, that Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our rebellion. Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried and he raised on the third day according to the scripture. This is the gospel, friends. That instead of leaving you in your sin, separated from him for all eternity, he sends Jesus. And Jesus goes to the cross and dies for your sin. See, friends, the Bible tells us that we've all sinned. Some of you are sitting here, you've been sitting here the whole service going, well, gosh, Adam and Eve, you really blew it for everybody. Here's the reality, guys. Every one of us have sinned. In other words, every one of us has said, God, I see what you want for my life, but I'm gonna do my own thing. The moment we do that, we sin. It literally means we've, we've, we've missed the mark. And guys, every one of us have done that. Romans 3.23 says this. It says, for we have all sinned. Come on, everybody. We have all sinned. Oh, you're not excited about saying that. Come on. We have all sinned. It's me. I've done that. And we've fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible goes on to say that Romans 3.23, it says that the wages of that sin, look at me. The wages, the outcome of that sin, it's the same outcome as it was for Adam and Eve. What was it then? Do you remember? Death. What is it now? Same thing, death. We have all sinned, and that sin brings about death. You saw it in the garden, everybody. What, what, is, what is this death that he's talking about? It's a separation from him, a, a brokenness in our relationship with one another, and just an overall doom <laughs> on our lives. So we've all sinned. But what's the gospel? That Jesus died. We saw it in 1 Corinthians. 
died for our sins. Here's how it works, guys. God is a loving God. He loves you more than you could ever think or more than you could ever imagine. But we have all sinned. And God can't just ignore the sin. Like God can't just sweep it under the rug and act like it doesn't exist. Because listen, friends, God is holy, but he's also loving. God is loving, but he's also holy. So he loves you, but because of your sin, he can't throw his arms around you because he's holy. You see, the Bible says what does light have to do with darkness? What does holy have to do with unholy? God can't just ignore your sin. God in his holiness and justice has to judge your sin. He has to, friends, bring about, because he's righteous, he demands justice against all injustice. So the injustice of our sins has to be dealt with. God just can't look the other way because he's got righteousness inside of him. It has to deal with the injustice of our sin. Does that make sense? So God's got this problem on his hands, so to speak. He loves you. He wants to throw his arms around you. He wants to give you life and life abundantly. He, but he also can't just ignore your sin. That sin has to be dealt with. In order for God to remain just, he can't just sweep it under the rug. So a lot of us like to think God sweeps it under the rug. You've actually convinced yourself that God grades on a curve, right? Like you can get to heaven, he's like, well, you did better than Larry, I guess. I'm going to let you. No, God doesn't grade on a curve. You're not being held up to the standard of Larry, you see? So you'll tell yourself, well, as long as I'm doing better than that guy. and that, You know what? You'll always find somebody you think you're doing better than. That is not the measure. The measure, friends, is perfection. And you're not perfect, nor am I we have all sinned. The sin has separated us from God. The penalty is against us. He loves us, wants to have a relationship with us, but has to judge our sin. What's God going to do? The solution is Jesus. Jesus goes to the cross, and he dies for our sin. And his death on the cross becomes what we call the substitutionary atonement for our sin. Did you notice in Corinthians it said that Jesus died for our sin? In other words, when he was on the cross, you say, why, why is he there? What is he doing? He's there taking for our sin, taking upon himself what we deserve for our sin. He's absorbing, listen, in that moment, absorbing in himself the wrath of God toward us so that we can be free from the wrath of God, the judgment and the justice against our sin. Be free from that and brought into the loving relationship with God that he's wanted to give us all, all along. Corinthians tells us that the gospel is Jesus died for our sin. He took upon him everything we deserve for our sin and satisfied the penalty and the demands that were against us. It tells us he died for our sins, and then, friends, it tells us this as we close, that he rose again. And in doing so, come on, guys, he rose again. And in doing so, in that moment, he proclaimed that death and all that it has brought upon us, the sorrow and the pain and the addiction and the dysfunction, all of it, no longer 
has to have the last word in my life. Jesus conquered the grave, and because of that, all of the death and all of the pain and all the sickness no longer gets to hold on to me. He broke through man's greatest enemy, death, to give me life. And friends, that is the gospel. And now in him, the power of that death is broken. The chains of sin that bound me are now broken. The prison walls that held me are now demolished because Jesus took it upon himself and offers to me freedom. In him I now have redemption. I can have a right relationship with God. I can be anchored into heaven, friends, where ultimately in heaven all things will be made right. That's where I am anchored because of the gospel. Revelation 21.4 tells us this. It says, there is a day. Come on, somebody, listen. There's a day coming for every single one of you that, that have believed the gospel, that say yes to Jesus. This is your future. Listen to it. There's a day coming where he will wipe away every tear from your eye. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. The brokenness of this old planet will pass away. And all things will be made new right here in this moment, friends, in heaven. What's your job? Respond. Man responds. That's our part in this, you guys. That redemption, that salvation is offered to me by grace and through faith. By grace and through faith. One last verse. Ephesians 2.8. Ephesians 2.8 says this, for, come on, say it with me, by grace. Come on, say it with me. For by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace, through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not of your own works so that no one may boast. In other words, you can't work your way into heaven. You can't work your way into a right relationship with God. All of that is only given to you by grace through faith. A lot of people don't understand the simplicity of the gospel. They try to make it complex. You, you think you got to work harder. You think you got to do more to make God love you. You think you've got to, you know, achieve all these things in order to make it into heaven. And here's what God says. He says, everything I have for you is only given to you by one thing I want from you. Faith. Just believe. Just believe that his grace is sufficient. Just believe that the work he accomplished for you is sufficient. You've been taught to think that salvation or maybe God's love and favor is something you've got to work toward. And so you show up to church and you take really good notes and then you go out and you, you struggle and you, you, you strive to try to be perfect to impress God in heaven and maybe earn your way into heaven. And all these things you think are to keep you in line and to motivate you. But friends, salvation is not some carrot hanging on the end of a stick. Salvation is what is offered to you by grace and through faith. Grace is that undeserving favor of God that made a way for you to be redeemed, that made a way for you to be forgiven. And faith 
is just us reaching out and grabbing hold of what he's made available to us. By grace, through faith. Faith reaches out and grabs a hold of the grace of God, the power of God for our salvation. What are we saved from? Sin. The brokenness that sin brings. The brokenness that sin brings to not just our world, but to your life and mine. Salvation, by grace through faith, anchors me into forgiveness, heaven, hope, purpose. Come on, somebody. God in salvation brings me back, leads me back into everything he's always intended for me. Remember Eden, that relationship with him and that relationship with others? God starts drawing us back toward all of that through this good news that we call the gospel. And friends, listen. There's some of you in here right now who've never received the gospel. Let me give you the last verse, Acts. Acts says this, Acts 3.19. It says, repent then. What does repent mean? It means turn around. Stop running to the world to try and find everything you think you need. Stop, stop, stop trying to get out of the world something the world can never give you. Turn around, he says. Repent. And turn to God instead so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You know what God wants to do in your life through the gospel? He wants to refresh you. He wants to you. He wants to satisfy your deepest longings because only he can satisfy your deepest longings. And friends, I'm telling you, it is time, it is high time to stop running to this world to get out of it something it can never give you. Would you today make the decision to say yes to what Jesus offers you, to what he gives you? I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now in this moment. To repent turn to him. What I'm going to do is lead you in a word of prayer. Prayer is simply talking with God. I'll give you the words and you just repeat them. And in this prayer, what you're going to do is surrender your life to Jesus. You're going to say yes to the gift that he's given you in the gospel. Can I lead you in a word of prayer? Let's bow our heads. Here's what you'd say. You say, God, I thank you that you love me right where I am. But I know you have more for me. And so today, I want to surrender my life to you. I know that I've sinned and I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing. But I want to surrender to you I thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross on my behalf and dying in my place for my sin. And I thank you for rising from the grave to lead me into life. I want to say yes to you today. I want all that you have for me. Forgive me. Come on, say, wash me, cleanse me. Be my Lord and be my Savior. 
In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone agreed together and said a big old hearty. Come on, church, amen. Come on, church, amen. Let's celebrate with everyone that just made that decision today. Hey, listen, if you just made that decision today, we would love to give you some resources to help you on this journey that you are on now in walking with God. If you would simply head over to our website, citizenschurch.org forward slash next. There's a quick little form that you can fill out there. You fill that out, we'll send you one email with all these different links to some small groups you can join and some Bible study programs you can start. And we would just love to get that resource in your hand if you can do that for us today. Other than that, church, come on, let's give it up one more time for everyone that made that decision today. Come on, church. Amen. I think one thing that COVID definitely taught us is we can do church from absolutely anywhere, right? Those watching online, thank you for joining us. We are going to head into our extended time of worship through offering. Um, if you happen to be here for the first time, like I said, we're honored you're here and we would love to connect with you. So you can go outside of the orange tent if you're here with us in person. We have a gift for you or text the word next to 909-509-4751. Um, as our host team comes up and um, we continue through worship through our offering, we just want to say thank you so much for your generosity with Citizens Church. And if you came prepared to give, there's a couple ways on the screen, or you can do that through the buckets that are passed along. I'm going to pray for us.